Well, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Proverbs. And uh, in the book of Proverbs, we're seeing the wisdom of God uh, made manifest and showing itself and what that looks like. Uh, we've, we've looked at what wisdom is, and then we started to look at characters from the book of Proverbs. Uh, we looked at the fool. Uh, basically the person that's kind of stubborn and dug in, a little obstinate. We looked at the simple or the naive person, uh, the person that maybe lacks experience or just kind of goes along with everything and is willing to believe anything. Uh, maybe the person that's not willing to commit because they want to keep their options open. The fool, the simple. Last week we looked at the scoffer. Uh, the one who, if they're corrected, they bring abuse to the one correcting them because they are dug in in their stubbornness and they are unmovable. Uh, today, we take a little, bit, uh, a little bit more of a lighthearted look at a character, and this is the sluggard. Uh, sluggard is not necessarily a word that we use a lot in our culture, uh, but you know, the idea of laziness uh, is somewhat ever-present. Uh, and uh, so we're going to look at what laziness looks like in one of these characters, and the Proverbs call him uh, the sluggard. And so we're, this is actually an interesting one because there's, there's a few passages, you know, many verses together that describe the sluggard. So there, we're going to go all over the place like we did in the past weeks, but we're going to focus our time on two particular passages, chapter 26 and chapter 24. If you remember from past weeks, chapter 6 has a, a, a passage as well where the sluggard is encouraged to go look at the ant. Uh, we'll reference that, but we're going to focus and, and read the lesser-known uh, passages just to keep them in our mind uh, today. So we're going to start in Proverbs 26, then flip back to Proverbs 24. Uh, this is the Word of God, and so would you stand with me as we just, uh, out of reverence and honor for God's Word, submit ourselves to it. So Proverbs 26, starting in verse 13. The sluggard says, There's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries... Whoops, I'm supposed to be doing slides. My apologies. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Uh, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish... It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So let's jump back now to Proverbs 24, looking at verse 30. Proverbs 24, 30. It's a great thing to hear pages of the Bible turn, so... Uh, thanks for doing that. Uh, Proverbs 24, 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. And then I saw and I considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want or lacking like an armed man. 
It's an interesting depiction of the, uh, of the sluggard, of the lazy person and the effects of that. So let's pray and just ask God to be in our midst. Father, uh, would you take your word uh, by the power of the Spirit? Would you help us to see ourselves on these pages again? Father, help us not to be crushed in shame over that when we see ourselves. Father, I pray that your redeeming, renewing grace would flow to us. And Father, I ask that uh, if uh, there's anybody in this room that does not know Jesus by faith and does not know his power of, of uh, his power in their life, Father, would today be the day of salvation. For those of us, God, that profess faith, would we yet again see our desperate need of your grace, and God, would we surrender to it? We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So John Ortberg, uh, he's written many books, a uh, uh, well-known preacher. He, he, in one, uh, in one uh, address, uh, he referenced an article that he had read years earlier in the L.A. Times. And he talks about a guy uh, who goes to uh, the house where he grew up. And he hadn't been there in 20 years. And he, so he knocks on the door just because, you know, he got sentimental and he wanted to see the place. And uh, so he asked the owners uh, of the house now if he could just walk through and kind of just observe and kind of remember things. And, if, and they let him in. And he was up in the attic. And up in the attic, 20 years later, he actually found an old jacket that was his. Uh, and, and so he put the jacket on and he reached into the pocket and he pulled out this little ticket stub. And it happened to be a receipt from a shoe repair shop. So it was in his jacket from a shoe repair shop 20 years ago. And he remembered in the middle of his move, he never went to pick up his pair of shoes. So just to kind of make the joke go a little further on his own, he went to go to that shoe repair shop. And he walks in, and just to be funny, takes out that receipt, that little ticket stub, and he hands it to the guy behind the desk, and he says, are my shoes ready? Well, the guy, you know, takes the ticket and he runs back to the workroom. He comes back to the counter and he says, uh, come back a week from Thursday. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I have no idea what the end of that story was, but the LA Times was obviously commenting on what does laziness look like? You know, to have a pair of shoes and not have it ready 20 years later, I'm not sure what they were going to do, but, you know, come back a week from Thursday. Isn't that like the definition of what it is to be a sluggard or to be lazy, that you, you don't do what you need to do in the moment. You're like, you know what, just, just come back later. Or we do that in our own lives. And this idea of being a sluggard is a slow, lazy person. In the sluggard in Proverbs, you'll see other words used, and that's the idea of sloth. Uh, and yes, there is an animal uh, that depicts that well. Uh, the idea of slack, uh, to have slack hands, and then the idea of laziness. These are all the concepts that relate to the idea of the sluggard in the book of Proverbs. But what's interesting is this one, more than any others, uh, uh, Proverbs unfolds with this cause and effect relationship that the way a sluggard lives, like 
immediately leads to the effect of that. Now, it's true in all the other characters, but this one is like really, really obvious. And so to really get an understanding, let's look at the traits of a sluggard. So um, there's a bunch of different uh, subpoints here, and uh, but a lot of different verses that start to uh, unfold what this person looks like. And so kind of as a backbone, Proverbs 26 will lead us through the traits. And uh, Proverbs 26 was the first passage we read. And in verse 14, it talks about as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Okay. And so Uh, again, how do you understand Proverbs? It's not immediately obvious, and oftentimes it's imagery. And so the writer of Proverbs here is writing this image uh, and trying to depict what does this person look like? And is it a person that literally flips back and forth in bed? Maybe. But it's a person that is inactive, someone that uh, would rather sleep and rest rather than do something. It's uh, so the picture of a door swinging back and forth and not really going anywhere is the Proverbs version of this person, the sluggard. Uh, They just turn. They just never really go anywhere. Uh, And back in 1950, Zenith uh, the, the company, electronics company, they created a product called Lazy Bones. So uh, I wasn't around in 1950, uh, but this cumbersome device was tethered to a TV by a long cord. And Zenith's founder said, you know what, this is good, but we're going to demand something better. And five years later, a guy named Eugene Pauly produced the innovation called the Flashmatic basically the first remote control. It was actually a ray gun remote control advertised as absolutely harmless to humans. Could you imagine? But anyway, uh, we've come a long way. And at one point in his life, the, the inventor of the remote control ha- had high hopes for his invention. You know, he was like, he actually said, maybe I did something for humanity. You know, like the guy who invented the flush toilet, he said. But, you know, obviously it helped those who might have been disabled or elderly, but it, the remote has also been blamed for contributing to obesity, for many marital fights and conflicts, causing many TV viewers to, zo- to zone out, excuse me, and just channel surf and change and just sit there on the couch. And towards the end of his life, the inventor, Polly, uh, seemed to regret many of those negative consequences of his invention. And so much like the person who just sits on the couch and flips the channels, uh, the the sluggard is depicted by sleep or inactivity or just not entering into things. And then there's two aspects that seem uh, almost contradictory. Uh, The first is the, the sluggard won't start things, okay? And, you know, you just won't start things. Proverbs 6, verse 9. This is the ant passage. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? And you can just hear the, the, the author just pleading with this person. How long will it take? How long? When will you move? When will you get off 
you can finish the sentence. When will you get going and do something? The, the sluggard just won't start things. And isn't that actually true? Like the most difficult part of any task is starting. But then there's something really interesting. While the sluggard won't start things, the sluggard won't finish things. So they actually get over the hump of starting, and then they won't finish. Proverbs 26, verse 15. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth, and so he just leaves his hand in the dish. Now, that's probably hyperbole. Okay? That's probably not what the guy's doing, but it depicts this thing of you actually start to go get some food or get something out of a dish, you just get tired, and you don't bring it back to your mouth to eat. You might be a starter, but you lack the, 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 uh, the fortitude to finish. You might be someone who doesn't even start. But both of these depict the idea of the sluggard. They, even the easiest task, bringing your hand back to eat, is just seen as too big. It's too much. And that person doesn't get to enjoy the fruit of his labor, and in this case, eating. Okay? You might be depicted by these things, and you might be in a home with somebody of these things. So while we have done this study as a family, it's really easy to point at everybody else, right? Like, oh yeah, that is, and you just have a picture. But I think the, the, the main point of Proverbs is that we would assess ourselves. Where do these things creep into our own heart? Uh, and then maybe be able to help somebody else. And so they won't finish things. Proverbs 24 uh, kind of says it a different way. Rather than putting a hand in a dish and not bringing it back, Proverbs 24 verse 30, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And so a vineyard, having a field, having a place to grow crops, that was the height of an agrarian culture. They, they had uh, the ability to provide for themselves, the ability to grow something, to sell or trade. And to, it, it was very much in uh, demand, and it was very much uh, a, um, just a mark of actually being well off. But yet this person... They pass by this vineyard, and it's in total disarray. Behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Basically, all the things that you would need to do to keep a field up, to keep a vineyard up, all of those things, none of those are being done. And so, uh, obviously, uh, it got planted. Obviously, it was there in some fashion, but the sluggard won't run things to the finish line. At some points, they won't start. And then when they actually do start, they won't finish. And then, this might be even more pointed, they won't plan ahead. They won't plan ahead. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. What's really staggering about that verse is, so cause and effect you reap what you sow. Whatever you put into the ground, that's what you're going to end up growing. And so the lazy person doesn't plant when they're supposed to plant. And then they go out at harvest time and they look for something. 
thinking that there will be a harvest there, that somehow in their field, crops are going to show up and get this phrase, they have nothing. Now, that seems kind of nonsensical. Of course, if you don't put seed in the ground, you're not going to uh, bear any, or, you know, kind of grow any fruit. Todd and I were joking uh, that we're preaching on laziness and it's Valentine's Day. And so, yeah, we don't plant seed very much to eat anymore. But if you don't invest and don't plant seeds to grow your marriage, then you go at harvest time to look for a relationship that's there, and you wonder, how is there nothing here? You do this with your kids, you know, if you don't impart wisdom day after day, and it feels like, you know what, I'm making no progress here. But if you don't do it, you're not planting seeds. And then, then they're 18, 25, 30, or even in middle school, and it's like, wait a second, where did the wisdom go? Well, I didn't plant any. And so we ought not expect any to show up. So we might not be ones who are planting seeds to harvest food, but we all are involved in planting that you have to put in the ground now things that feel somewhat insignificant, like a little seed, so that they will grow later. And the sluggard avoids that entirely. It's just a seed. It's just one thing to impart to my kids. It's just one step to take with my wife. It's just something really, really small. And the sluggard says nah, I'll just not do it, or they'll just find something else to do. Proverbs 12, 27 says it differently, rather than seed and harvest. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, meaning his, his hunt, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. So the slothful person basically doesn't even go out to hunt, and then they don't have anything to eat. Uh, and or if they actually get something, they won't cook it. Uh, and, and it's this sense, and then they wonder, where's my dinner? Again, the slothful person will not invest now for something delayed or something later. He doesn't do what he needs to do now, uh, and, or he doesn't, need, he doesn't do what needs to happen when it needs to happen. So we've got someone who won't start, We've got someone who won't finish. We've got someone who won't plan or, or go and, and do things now for a delayed gratification. And then this is probably the most pointed, is the sluggard makes excuses. Okay? Proverbs twenty six thirteen. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. You know what? I can't mow the yard because there's a lion outside. You know what? I can't go to work because there might be a lion. Uh, you know, other uh, translations talk about it. There's a lion in the square, in like town hall. You know what? There might be a lion that's going to devour me. I'm not going to go work. Again, a nonsensical excuse. But yet, isn't that so true of our hearts? We're going to, we know the thing we need to do, we know the thing God's calling us to. We know the thing of value. Yet, we're going to make every excuse in the book to not do it. And we're going to be creative 
right? We are going to be creative. It's actually, this verse is repeated one other time uh, in the book of Proverbs, almost exactly. The lazy person always makes excuses why they don't work. There's always something in their way. And instead of knocking down the barrier, they simply stop working or stop trying. Now, if this is you, the point is not to shame us. <laughs> it is, the point is to see ourselves in need of God's redeeming grace. And so as a family, we started watching Shark Tank a lot. Uh, you know, there's 10 seasons or so of Shark Tank, and, uh, and so we're going to develop little entrepreneurs. And, uh, but it's, it's always interesting to hear people talk about their businesses. And, uh, and, you know, certain businesses are exploding in numbers, you know, their sales are growing, all that stuff. But then there's always, uh, like, one... Uh, one business per episode when their numbers are like, oh, we did one million this year, then we did two million, then we dropped to 300,000. And everybody goes, what happened? And they, they, you know, why did your sales drop? And well, some people discuss that. Some people say, you know what, this and this and this happened, and we plowed down that barrier, and we got our sales back. But then there's others that simply show the problem and then talk about all the reasons that why they couldn't overcome the issue. Well, my parents got sick. I came over from America, from a third world country. I came to an area where well, they didn't have good internet access in that area. All the different reasons why the sales dropped and they never came back. And it's that person that never gets an investment in their company. Why? Because they're making excuses for what's going on. And the sluggard in the book of Proverbs is very creative in trying to convince other people that they are okay in their lack of effort. And then we see this. Ultimately, they are blind to their laziness. Proverbs 26, 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. What is that? Basically, the, the person that's lazy deceives themselves. It seems like every commentator, as they commented on the lazy person who's dug in, uses the word deception to describe them. They deceive themselves. They're unmovable in their own perspective, almost as if they're too lazy to learn. And so what does laziness look like? We've talked about some things, but we live in an action or activity-addicted culture. Think about our culture. Not many of us sit still very long. So what does laziness look like in an activity-driven culture? You ever had this experience? Where you find yourself working on something, but it's not what you know you should be working on? Keith, you need to write a sermon and all of a sudden, I get really motivated to file my taxes. Or I need to make a, make a couple calls to figure out some sort of, you know, kind of na navigate a conflict or something like that. And then all of a sudden, I'm motivated to write my sermon. The thing I know that I should be doing is the thing I don't want to do. And I find myself doing everything else except that. But man, I make my feel, myself feel good because I'm moving, I'm doing something, but I'm not doing what I should be doing. It's almost as if I can't plant in season 
and then expect to reap the harvest because I'm not planting or not doing the things that I should be doing when I need to do them. I work on the wrong things because I don't want to enter in. I don't want to enter in. That's the heart of the sluggard. And I don't want to enter in, and then I get no harvest. Okay, so that's the traits of that guy. What are the effects of the sluggard? Okay, so first off, the sluggard makes life difficult for himself or herself. The, the sluggard makes life much harder. Okay, Proverbs fifteen nineteen, The way of a sluggard is a hedge of thorns but the path of the upright is a, is a level highway. What's being said there is that laziness, all it does is make life more difficult as opposed to actually following God into things that he sets in front of you. It's like, man, level highway, you're just cruising along. So we think we're actually saving ourselves from things, but we're creating uh, like like this, uh, this uh, bush of thorns in our way, uh, and it's making life more difficult. What also is interesting is the effects of a sluggard uh, is that they lose their freedom. So the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. So think of what the heart behind not doing what you need to be doing. Think of the heart behind that. And basically, it's you want to be in control. You don't want to do certain things. Uh, You want to do your own thing. But what does the book of Proverbs say is the effect of that? When you take control and want to do your own thing, which is basically do nothing, you will end up being put in forced labor. So your desire to control will lead you to being controlled. You try to find freedom on your own terms, it leads to you losing freedom because you're taking matters into your own hands against the design of God. And it is there that these effects start to cascade. So your life becomes harder, you lose your freedom. And this was really interesting. Then your cravings are never satisfied. Your cravings are never satisfied. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard craves... There's that phrase again, and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So there's these cravings in the lazy person, but yet they never get satisfied. Go to another verse, Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves but the righteous gives and does not hold back. It's the the lazy person that never gets what he longs for because he won't work for it. He has these cravings, he has these cravings, he has these, these desires, and it ultimately kills him because he can never be satisfied. But yet you see the righteous person, the person willing to follow God into the difficult thing, that person has all the abundance needed to be able to give, and, and they can give abundantly, generously, without holding back. So the cravings of the lazy person are never satisfied. But then what comes on and what's the ultimate result of that is poverty, okay? A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Keep going, Twenty-eight, nineteen. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, But he who follows worthless pursuits 
This is a great, great phrase. We'll have plenty of poverty. That's an oxymoron, right? Plenty of poverty comes to the person who finds themselves not entering into what God has in front of them. One author pointed out that the uh, writer of Proverbs never calls the sluggard poor. Because oftentimes the poor person has had some sort of tragedy happen in their life, and he actually dignifies those who are poor. As a term, uh, he, he dignifies them because something has happened in their life, something happened to them, and has them in that place. Poverty is something the sluggard actually almost inherits, goes after, and causes in his life. It's the sum total of his efforts, and poverty will come on him. Now, get all this. So we've looked at the traits. We've looked at the effects. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, is the fact that it comes little by little. This is the torturous part of the sluggard. It comes little by little. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. A little this, a little that, a little rest, a little sleep, a little not entering in, a little, 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 little. Derek Kidner says this, he does not commit himself to a refusal but he deceives himself by the smallness of his surrenders. Basically, that small, insignificant, missed opportunities, almost imperceptible losses, oftentimes small surrenders, even to pleasant things. He deceives himself by the endless sequence of little compromises. And if you have the small surrender. Do alarm bells go off? No. No alarm bell goes off when the sluggard or the lazy person relents and surrenders. But it's the smallness of their surrenders that cause poverty to come on them like a robber. One translation, uh, poverty will pounce on you like a bandit out of nowhere, seemingly without warning, a robber bent on your destruction, and you're robbed or you're harmed, and you, with, even before you can even react, the little, small, little by little surrenders in our life all of a sudden mount to where we are just bowled over and we don't even see it coming. The effect of laziness is cumulative. It compounds on itself. It builds on the prior small insignificant loss before. It's like a sand dune on the beach. You know, from one day to the next, you can never tell if a sand dune is growing, right? It's impossible to perceive any difference in its size. But come back the next year, and you're like, ooh, That thing got big because each day a few grains of sand get stacked on this sand dune. And in one day or two days, it doesn't feel like anything. But a year, 10 years, 20 years down the road, all of a sudden you've got this massive dune. It's like eating a burger and fries for one meal. That's no big deal. Go enjoy your one meal. But do that every meal for this year. Or like the movie Super Size Me back early 2000s. The guy ate McDonald's every meal 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a month. (laughs) And he almost died. You know, gained 24 pounds in 30 days, 13% body mass increase, his cholesterol skyrocketed. It took him 14 months to lose all the weight. It's this sense where, oh, it's just one decision. That's true. But you make one little decision after one little decision, one little decision, one little decision, and all of a sudden, it is on you like a bandit. Ray Ortland Sr., uh, I was reading his son's commentary on Proverbs, and he quotes his dad. And he said this. This is back in the 70s. um, He wrote this. He said, Your danger and mine is not that we become criminals— speaking to God's people, but rather that we become respectable, decent, commonplace, mediocre Christians. The 20th century temptation that really saps our spiritual power are the television, banana cream pie, the easy chair, and the credit card. And then this last sentence is amazing. The Christian wins or loses in those seemingly innocent little moments of decision, that God is in the little things. And it's the little by little effects of laziness that we find ourselves struggling with. And then if you find yourself in relationship with a sluggard, you're like, you probably find yourself uh, overwhelmed at times. And that's why, uh, that's why, the Proverbs 31 woman, at the end of the book of Proverbs, at the end there, she does not eat the bread of idleness or of laziness. You know, she's a woman of incredible character. Why? Because she's not prone to these things. Because when you are in relationship with a sluggard, it is absolutely irritating. I can't relate to the first thing said, like vinegar to the teeth. If you've done that, maybe you could tell me what that feels like. But I've done the second one, and smoke to the eyes. So is the sluggard to those who send him. The the person that actually entrusts the sluggard with something and sends him on his way to do something, it's like an irritant, like smoke to the eyes because they can't be relied on. They, uh, even though you want to trust them, you can't. And then you find yourself not expecting anything from them, which ultimately makes their laziness even worse. But you have to do it because you can't trust them either. And if you are a parent, parenting someone who struggles in this area, I think I just depicted the cycle, right? And it's an irritant. It's frustrating because this person destroys things, not just for themselves, but for people around them. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. So it's not just destructive to their own self and their own life. It is destructive to everybody around them. You know, remember, the slugger doesn't plow in the autumn, but he expects at harvest. We think of that in individual terms. That's not what was going on when the book of Proverbs was written. The, the idea of planting and reaping and harvest, that was a community project. At least at the smallest place, it was that of a family project. And so to not be involved in those things is not just to bring your own harm, but it is to bring harm on your family and your community. And if you're in a relationship with a sluggard, you need the grace of God to uphold you, 
uh, to walk you through those frustrations, but also we can learn from that person. Basically, it's what not to do. But then is there any hope for that person? If, if this is you, is there any hope? Because the opposite of the sluggard is the diligent. And you'll see that through the book of Proverbs. That the, the function of all of these warnings, of all of this turning like hinges on a bed, or you put your hand in a dish and you don't eat, all of those things serve as a warning in calling somebody to stir themselves to activity. It's like, wow, my inactivity, though it's tiny, it's small, it's insignificant now, it will mount up to something huge. But ultimately, laziness is a spiritual condition. It's not just that you won't do what you need to do. It's not just that you won't go mow the yard. It's a spiritual thing before God. And that's why Proverbs 13, verse 4, we read it earlier. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. You would think that the diligent are, are only talking about wealth in a tangible way, but it's the soul of the diligent that gets filled, where the soul of the sluggard is craving and craving and unsatisfied and gets nothing. That the work of God through the gospel, the work of God as we surrender to him, is that we live for a purpose beyond ourselves. We live for something worth pursuing. We live beyond our own well-being, what we want to do or not. That the soul of the sluggard is obviously going to be in turmoil, craves and craves and craves. But the soul of the diligent, because they're willing to follow God into what he has called them to, is richly supplied. So anytime we hit the place where God is calling us to do something that our heart doesn't want to do, right there is your need and my need of grace. If it's Valentine's Day, if it's entering in as a parent, if it's students, you've got to study now so you can actually uh, pass your class. You have to study now so you know enough for your exam. You, you start to build on yourself in terms of knowledge because algebra will help you in calculus. Like, man, that's, that's years away. Well, it's an insignificant, insignificant loss, but it will mount on you and crush you like a bandit. But in all of that, when we find ourselves not wanting to do what we are called to do, right there, that's where we find our need of Jesus. He's the wisdom of God played out in this world. And it shows up as one of the opposites is the fool, the simple, the, the scoffer, but the sluggard as well. If you find yourself on the pages of Proverbs, Jesus is saying, come to me. And I will give you something worth living for beyond yourself. Do you know him by faith? Is he yours? Let's pray. God, asks, I ask that you would do something amazing in our hearts. God, move us out of inactivity. Move us out of the place where we like our comfort. We don't want to enter in. Uh, God, when we start something, help us to finish. And when we don't even feel like starting, God, help us to move into that. Father, uh, Bring us to repentance with the people that we've harmed through our inactivity. And Father, I ask that you would bring repentance, forgiveness, healing, restoration. God, that you might move us. That you might move us to be dynamic in our following of the Spirit. God, rather than just going through the motions or doing only things that are the least resistance. God, give us diligence. 
in all of these things so that we don't just make those small, insignificant uh, uh, missed opportunities, that those things don't rear their heads. God, that we might follow you in all things. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.